You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Can we thank our worship team this morning? Come on, worship team. Awesome. Man, I'm thankful for our worship team this morning. Just up here, worshiping, looking so cool, wearing denim jackets, cool hats. We have a cool worship team. Do you guys realize that? You ever see the worship team, you're like, man, I'd love to be on the worship team, but I don't know if I'm that cool. Uh, you are that cool. You should join the worship team, right, Alec? Especially if you are a anything. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you love the Lord. Uh, join the worship team. You can play an instrument, and you know what music is. Um, those are kind of really the requirements, right? Cool. Good. Well, hey, I'm excited to be here, share the word with you this morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. My wife and I, we uh, just saw this week that it's really this month that we uh, moved from Washington down here to be a part of planning a church. And we had like six or eight people come, eight people come down with us and join up and be a part of this journey. And so this was really the month that we did all that and uh, hinged our entire future and our present and actually probably our past all in the same thing. And, uh, uh, but it's been crazy to see what God has done. Really excited. I was uh, so encouraged. A couple cool things happened this week. Uh, our anniversary was Saturday. So my wife and I, yeah, uh, she has been married to me for 11 years. That is crazy that she made that choice 11 years ago and still thinks it's a good choice. So um, every year she gets more beautiful and I look like this. Um, no. But uh, we had a blast. We got to dress up and go out without our kids. It was awesome. I love my kids, but I love going out. I like dressing up and looking good, and uh, it's fun. My wife looks great uh, when we go out, so it's it was a blast. Uh, the other awesome thing that we did uh, this week as well is we had our kids uh, water palooza or whatever it was called. We had our kids park day <laughs> where we took a bunch of kids to the park, and they all shot each other with squirt guns. It was awesome. Uh, I was just so proud of, we have a parent council here at Banner Church that our incredible kids director, Delaney, has put together. And they meet every Thursday night and they plan these awesome things and ways to get connected. And I was just so blown away by what an incredible job the parent council did. So I just want to say as a parent, it blessed me to see all those awesome kids of varying ages running around, having a blast. Um, if you're a parent here at Banner Church and you didn't happen to get an email, it's because we don't have your email. We'd love to email you and share uh, more awesome events that the Parent Council does. So if you've never filled out a connection card, you've just been, you, you haven't wanted to give us your email because you weren't sure, you thought you are going to get a lot of spam, you're mostly just going to get cool stuff like that and opportunities to do really fun things. So I really want to encourage you uh, to uh, fill out a connection card if you haven't. If you're online and you haven't, it's super easy. Uh, or let Delaney know. But I just want to say Thank you, Parent Council. Um, next week, they're doing a Superhero Sunday. And if I remember right, we have a couple superheroes joining our kids' ministry. I think Spider-Man, Captain America. Last time, Spider-Man was running around on the roof. I went outside, and Spider-Man was literally, I kid you not, running around on top of the roof, slinging webs. It was bananas. So uh, if you have kids, uh, we, they do a great job creating a safe, secure and fun space uh, in the kids ministry so make sure to bring them bring some friends next week it'll be a blast they do an awesome job but um, 
Yeah, I'm just so thankful. And in fact, can we do this? I don't know if Delaney will be able to hear us. She's probably back there somewhere. But on the count of three, can we just all yell thank you really loud for uh, Delaney? Is Delaney in here or is she back there? Okay, she's back there. Good, perfect. Well, can we can we do that together? I just think that would honor her. Uh, they've worked so hard. While she was putting on the event, she was also in the process of signing papers for a house. This is like how fierce she works. So she's awesome. She's a boss. So on the count of three, we're just going to yell, thank you, really loud. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Thank you! She probably has no context for that, but she'll get it in the podcast. So. <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I'm happy you're here with us. You know, uh, this was a really unique week preparing for this message as we end our first John series, Real Love uh, for Real Life. And when we started this series, man, 10 weeks ago, I thought that's a long time, but that was 10 weeks ago. So that's crazy how fast time goes. When I stood on stage and I was like, hey, we're going to do a series, 10 weeks through first John, people are like, wow, that's a long time. And turns out, no, it wasn't actually. Uh, it's really, the days are long and the years are short, as they say. Uh, but it's been amazing, I think, as we've been in a unique season as a country, uh, as a nation, and as a city. I think, you know, God has really been speaking to our church in this season about how we show the love of God, how, what our really our calling is as people who believe uh, that Jesus is the hope of the world. And uh, so I've really enjoyed it. But this is our very last one. And then next week, we're starting a series called Fear Less. And uh, we're going to talk about four major fears that we as people face. And so I really encourage you. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome series. If you've been waiting for that series to maybe uh, you're online, you've been waiting to check out in person, that's going to be a great one. If you've been waiting for the one to bring your friend to, I encourage you. It's going to be really, really good. We're going to address some of, some of the fears and really empower and encourage people to believe in the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. So, uh, man, awesome opportunity. But, you know, I was preparing for this last one, and, you know, kind of a heavy week. I don't know, have you guys, I don't know if you guys have had a heavy week, a little bit of a heavy week culturally, past two weeks. Um, it feels like every morning I wake up, I, I've had to stop looking at social media till like two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, but every morning I wake up, there's some new kind of horrific video that usually involves somebody shooting somebody, blowing something up, burning something down. And uh, man, it, it's like it weighs on your soul. Has anyone else felt that recently? Man, it's just, it's heavy. It, it, there's a lot of heaviness and, and just videos that I never thought that I would see uh, in our country, in our city, uh, in my lifetime. When I think about my, my kid and what they're going to grow up exposed to, I'm like, how are we, how am I seeing this? Like, how am I literally getting on my phone just a video of someone shooting somebody? And then the next day, I get a video of someone shooting two people. And then today I woke up and someone sent me uh, a video in Portland of someone shooting somebody else. I'm like, my goodness, like culturally, it is heavy right now. And it's kind of like hard to know what to do, you know? It's like, it's hard to know where to start. What blows my mind right now is as I start to have these conversations, it's like unwrapping this like crazy uh, just ball of rubber bands that you cut one and they all kind of start popping. It's, it's chaotic. And as a pastor, I'm like, you know what? They never trained me for how to address, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, a pandemic, race war, protest, election season. That, that's not a class that you take. And so as we're going through it, I was like, man, this has been, there's been heaviness, there's been weight, there's been chaos. And at the same time, I can sense from us culturally that we want to do something. 
Because every time I open up my uh, my phone or something, somebody's posting about something like, hey, we got to do something about this. We got to do something about this. You can't even post about one thing before someone posts about something else, right? If you post about racial equality, someone will immediately post about, yeah, well, what about the children being trafficked? You're like, I think we should do something about that too. Yeah, well, what about the politics? Yeah, I think, yeah, sounds great. Let's do something about that too. What about this? 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 By the end of the day, you're like, I have 85 causes. I got to get my whole paycheck and my whole life to, and I don't even know where to start. It's like everybody's telling me on Instagram how I should live my life, but by the end of the day, I'm just exhausted. And I was texting with my brother David, and uh, I love the Berries. They're some of my favorite people. They moved down here. Uh, I, I have a lot of value on my friends that move multiple states to come minister with us. That means a lot. I carry a lot of that. Uh, but I was talking, and he said, man, I got to the end of the day, and he wouldn't mind me sharing this, and he's like, I so understood groaning in the Spirit. Like, there's a scripture that says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our groans. And, like, I got to that the other week, just, like, just the end of the day, like, oh, I can't talk to another person today. <laughs> like, oh, I can't see another video. To, you know, like, anyone else got to that at any point this week? Like, oh, my gosh, I can't explain why to my children one more time today. Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, it is groaning in the Spirit. And I, I feel like we got to that point of just kind of like, what do we do? And I know that everyone thinks they have the answer because I follow like half of you on Facebook. But what I would say is that there is a really good answer on what we do. There is an answer on, on how do we address this. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of real suffering, a lot of pain. A lot of people hurting. I, I know because, you know, if you post about, hey, man, I, I'm praying for this person hurting, someone me say, what about this person hurting? You say, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's bad too. Let's pray for that person hurting. What about this person hurting? Yeah, I think we should pray for these people hurting. You know, it, it, we've just gotten into this cycle now. I told my wife today, I said, I said, I'm like afraid because I've really been wanting to push for foster kids and foster care, but I'm afraid if I'm like, we really need to take care of foster kids. I'm, you know, foster kids and, and foster kids' life. I'm afraid that if I post, man, foster kids, we got to take care of foster kids. We got to care for the foster care system. Someone's going to go, we need to care for all children. And then I'm going to have to explain that I love all children. It's like, you know, I love children. I, I love, we got to fight for the ones who are sex trafficked, the ones who are, who are, who are abused, the ones who are in foster care. We got to fight for all of them. But it's just kind of like, as soon as you pop like one balloon, they all go. You know what I'm talking about? But there is an answer. There is an answer this morning. We can actually leave hopeful, even though you might need to unfollow your aunt on Facebook, that you can leave hopeful today because of something that you have been given. It is one of the most, the most blessed tools in the world. We are so blessed, church. Because we have Jesus, who is the hope of the world, and we have been given something amazing. And that's confident prayer confident prayer. We have been given prayer. I'm, I want to explain that word confidence today. Somebody say confidence. Oh, come on. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I know. It feels good. It's not too hot. We're all here. We're ready. It's the 1045. Everyone's got the good energy, right, Kate? We're here. We're here. Okay, that's good. Let's try that again. Uh, somebody say confidence. There we go. See, that's good. That's about as Pentecostal as we get. Uh, <laughs> just repeating some words. Um, but confidence is good. I want to talk to you about confidence today. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 John 5, 13. 
the very last part. A couple commentators have called 1 John verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 7 through 15, the hardest scripture uh, to walk through. It is difficult, but it is also very beautiful, and we're going to walk through it together because I believe that it's got some power. So I want to read this to you this morning. Words are going to be on the screen, uh, but here we go. I write these things to you. Remember, this is John. John, former sons of thunder, right, John. Now the gentle spiritual giant, 100 years old, writing to the church. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked to him. Let's pray together this morning. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for the opportunity uh, to, to share your word and that together as we walk through the scripture, God, I know you're going to transform our hearts, God. I know that you're going to renew and strengthen us. So we give it to you in your name. Amen. Has, uh, has anyone here ever visited England? Any, anybody visit England? Awesome. Have you been to Buckingham Palace? Been in the past, you stand outside, everybody's out there. Uh, I remember as a kid, I got to go, I was on a soccer team, they got to go to England, and uh, it was awesome. A lot of unsupervised youth uh, walking through London, it was great, <laughs> it was awesome, and I would never let my child do it, but it was amazing. Sorry, Mom, uh, if you're watching this. Uh, but uh, it was fantastic, and one of the places you got to go is Buckingham Palace, and uh, you stand outside of like a group of like 100,000 people, and you just like, look at the side of this building, basically. And everyone's like, oh, do you see the queen? Like, she's like playing Where's Waldo? Like, she's gonna poke her head out. But, you know, it's like, oh, do you, you know, do you see, oh, do you see, oh, what do you see? Oh, oh, do you see the queen? Do you see the queen? Right, because she's in there, right? We know she's in there somewhere. She's adorable. She's got the little crown, right? Like, I, I don't, I'm not like a super big fan of the royal family or anything, but I would still be interested to meet the queen. It would just be like kind of cool. And I know from, not from history, but from watching James Bond, that she is in there. But what I also learned from watching James Bond, is that, can you not talk about James Bond in church? I think it's fine. Uh, <laughs> what I know also from James Bond is that you got to be a special kind of person to get access to the queen. Like, I can't just go into Buckingham Palace and be like, yes, oh, I have a British friend. It's fine. Like, it's cool. I'm with the tour. So, you know, hook me up with some crown jewels or something. Like, I, I, you have to be a certain person. You got to be royalty. You have to know royalty. You got to be, like, up and up. You got to have money. I'm sure, like, all those combinations, all those things I don't have, you have to have those things to go see the queen. But not only do I know from James Bond that, that you have to be a certain person to go see the queen, I also know you got to have some kind of proper etiquette, right? Like, I don't know this for sure, but I'm willing to bet that I probably couldn't dress like this to see the queen. Like, probably not a lot of denim, like, in front of the queen. Probably not a West Virginia Mountaineers hat. I probably would dress like that, just to be honest, because, you know, America. Uh, but... <laughs> It's like, sorry, you should have won the war. <laughs> what do you guys say, oh? Like, that was like 250 years ago. Like, oh, too soon, too soon. Revolutionary War, too soon. Oh, man. Like, they still call us the colonies, guys. They don't care. It's fine. They're more mad about India. <laughs> the, 
But I know I'd have to dress a certain way, act a certain way when I come before, when I go before the queen, right? I, I think even if you don't under, if you've never been around royalty, you're not from the royal family, like we kind of collectively, isn't it crazy in 2020, still have like an understanding of royalty and how you'd approach them. So if you saw like the king of uh, somewhere, you'd be like, oh, wow, okay, I have to be, I have to be reverent. You know, like it doesn't matter what country or what principality. There'd be some kind of reverence. That's historically kind of always been the case. To approach a king or a queen, there was a certain people that could do it. There's a certain way you could do it. Now, if you go way back, if you go way back to like Babylon, if you go way back to Syria, you could only approach the king if you were called. And in fact, if you went to the king and you weren't called and he decided, I'm not happy that you're here, he would just, he would just not point his scepter at you and then they would murder you or kill you. Like, you had to be called to go. So, like, to approach a king was a big deal because it's not like anybody would go approach the king. No denim. You got to be called, and I, you definitely couldn't call the queen adorable. Like, there's only certain people and only certain ways that you could approach the king or queen if you were called. And this is a pretty common understanding. But not only was it common in understanding uh, way back as far as Babylon, but even in Israel, there was a way that you could approach the king. See, when we look at Scripture together, the Old Testament follows Israel and follows the chosen people of God. But did you know that the chosen people of God had a very specific group and way that could approach the king of kings? If you thought approaching a king was scary, try the king of kings, God. Culturally, it would have been uh, very, very difficult for a person to approach God. Here's all, explain what I mean. When the Israelites are heading into the promised land, they have called they have what's called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is where the literal, the presence of God resides in the holy of holies. So the presence of God would reside there. And so in order to get into the presence of God, you had to be a few things. You had to be a Levite, a very specific class, priest class of people of Israel. And you had to be the high priest at a certain time. And you had to be and you had to be the right kind of purity and cleaned and sacrificed and ritual and wearing garbs. This is how crazy this is. There are two chapters in the Bible about the creation of the world, and there are 50 about the tabernacle. You guys know what scripture I'm talking about when you're doing that year Bible plan, and you're like, I'm going to go ahead and skim this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what color magenta the curtains are or something. But it is actually very important. It's very important things. But when you think about that comparison, that's a huge 50 chapters. 50, there's two about how the earth was made, 50 about the tabernacle. There was very clear in Israel how you could approach the king of kings. You had to be a Levite. You had to be a part of the priest class. To go into the holy of holies, you had to be the high priest. You had to go through all these sacrifices, cleansing. Then you would go in. The hope was, because remember, you're standing before like the perfect God. We're, I'm a sinful, broken person. God is perfect and holy and mighty. And he's so holy that if my finite, broken, sinful self gets even close to that perfection, I, I could just die. Like, he's that mighty and holy and perfect. I mean, it, there was a dramatic separation. So here's what they would do. If you were the high priest, you would go through all the rites and all the rituals and all the things, and you have your sacrifice, you're going to go into the Holy of Holies, and they would tie some jingle bells to your ankle. 
So as you go in, you would jingle jangle, they know where you were at. Because you couldn't go behind the curtain, only he could go. But they would also tie your foot is a rope. So if you got in there, and they're like, jingle, jingle, yeah, he's doing, he's doing good, he's doing good. Jingle, 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 nothing. Nothing. Well, he's kind of a long prayer person. Maybe he's just praying. Still nothing. Okay, he's dead. They would just pull the rope and just drag you out. Okay, that, that sounded crazier when I learned that than y'all just believe. <laughs> you would die, and they would drag you out like Rudolph just hit a skyscraper. Just jingle, 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 all the way out of the Holy of Holies. Okay, good. We are on the same page. That's bananas. Okay, good, good. Here we are. <laughs> That's how you would approach God. And it's not that God was angry. God didn't like them. God didn't want to be around them, but because of the weight of sin and brokenness, he is so holy and mighty that that cannot stand in the presence of that. They are in counter existence to each other. And so you had to go through this whole thing. And so when we look in the New Testament, and there's a book called Hebrews, I'll give you two guesses on who the book of Hebrews is written to. You nailed it. First guess, Hebrews the people of Israel. So keep all that in mind. The high priest had to go in. There was this, you know, only certain people could have access. Only certain people could go through and go through the curtain into the holy holies. And here is what the writer of Hebrews says to the people of Hebrews. Now, I don't know if this is going to blow your mind, but this would have melted their face off. So here it is. Hebrews 4, verse 14. You still with me? Say amen. 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 Okay. Says this. Since then, we have a great high priest. You guys remember the high priest? He would go into the Holy of Holies for all the people. He'd sacrifice for Israel. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'll tell you, there is a lot of words that the Hebrew people would have used to describe going before God. Confidence is not one of those words. Reverence, concern, (laughs) probably. But if confidence was not one of those words— Remember, holy, mighty God created the universe. Their understanding of kings and royalty was they must stand out their scepter that they may be invited in, that they might be saved, that they might be close and near, that there's a separation. Not anybody can go through, only the high priest. Now the writer of Hebrews comes and says, you've been given a high priest through Jesus Christ, and now you should come confidently before the throne of God. Whoa. That's kind of changing the game a little bit. This is important. Jesus changes everything. What does Jesus change? Everything. He changes everything. You had a former high priest that gave you access. Now, through Jesus Christ, we have access to God. If you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. Because we're talking about confidence today. Our confidence comes from the blood of Jesus. Our confidence comes from the blood of Jesus. On the cross, Jesus, fully man, fully God, living a perfect life, dies the death that I could not die for my sins. 
on the cross, he dies for me. And when he gives up his spirit, it says in Scripture, the curtain is torn open. What's that curtain? Remember, that's what separated us from the Holy of Holies and the access. It says it wasn't moved aside. It wasn't like, you know what, we'll put that back up when we're done. It was torn open, which means this is now a thing. This is torn open. There's access now. It was torn open. We have access. We have a bold and complete access to the Father because of the sacrifice of the Son, Hebrews, how could I approach such a holy and mighty God when we are so broken and sinful? How could I approach, if I come here, God, I, I'm probably just going to die because of the brokenness of my life, and he is so holy and so mighty. How could I possibly approach that? How could I do that? And God gives them the law as a, as a, as a desire and a longing to seek and pursue holiness, recognizing that, that they would still need him. The law was supposed to point back to the complete separation between human ability and God's complete sovereignty and so in that moment, God sends his son to die for us, and it tells us that the blood of Jesus covers our sins so that when God looks at us, he does not see your sin. He does not see your past. He does not see your mistakes. He does not see your failures or your shortcomings. He does not see the pride that's led you down the wrong road. He sees in that moment the blood of Jesus that covers your sin and therefore invites you into relationship. Amen? Our confidence comes from the blood of Jesus. It's, it's not arrogance. Arrogance is, I feel good about what I did. I feel good about me. Christians aren't arrogant. We're confident. I'm confident because it has nothing to do with what I did. It's nothing to do with who I am. It doesn't have to do with my pedigree. It doesn't matter how much money I got in the bank, how much money any generation of my family's got in the bank. It doesn't matter about my na nationality. It doesn't matter about my race. It doesn't matter about my background. It doesn't matter what I did, my daddy did, anybody before me, right? It matters about what God did. The love of God displayed on the cross. Our confidence comes from the blood of Jesus. And so we have this confidence to approach God that historically would have been so revolutionary. See, the problem is in postmodernism, we've made ourselves God, and so now we don't think it's an issue to come before him because we are him. That's a whole other sermon. <laughs> but I love, I love the song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Think on that. My hope is built on nothing less in Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Remember the curtain that was torn. We have access. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Remember who is the high priest, the Levite that would go in? Who do we have now? Jesus Christ. It says, let us then draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is amazing. You have been given access to the God of the universe. And he says, since you've been given access, the shame is gone, the separation's gone, the sin is gone. What do we do? It says, draw near. How do I, I'm just a tiny person. If I looked at my life on the scale of eternity, I would just take up like such a small amount. How do I draw near to a God who's so infinite and great? God, how do I draw near to you? I'm going to give you the answer. You ready? Prayer. Prayer. 
confident prayer. Prayer is communicating with God. If you're writing notes, write this down. Prayer is a powerful and effective blessing from God. It's both. Prayer is a powerful and an effective blessing from God. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Your prayer has power. Did you know that? Did you know that? Your prayer has power. Prayer is communicating with God. You're like, that's such a simple thing. That has power. Like, are you sure? 100%. Look at Scripture. Elijah. James 5.17 tells us Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. How many of you have ever read about Elijah? Okay, if you've never read about Elijah, uh, let me just, I'll pick one thing from his life. He prayed that fire would fall from heaven and it fell from heaven. Like, I don't know if that sounds like a nature like mine. Sounds like he's, he's kind of up here, Elijah. Well, Scripture tells us that he is a nature like ours. What does that mean? It means Elijah's built out of the same stuff. We got the same stuff as Elijah. You're like, what? Are you sure? Yep, 100%. Why? Because the Word of God tells us <laughs> that he had a nature like ours. But what does it say that he did? It says he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Three years and six months didn't rain. That's like Arizona summer. So then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. How about Moses? Moses had problems like you and me. You're like, I'm a flawed person. Well, Moses killed anybody. So if you killed somebody, you're amongst good company today with Moses. Moses had problems like you and me. But he prayed for deliverance. He rescued a nation. God split the Red Sea. To any of you this morning, do you need God to split the Red Sea in your situation so that you might walk through into the promise? Joshua, mighty, mighty general. I love Joshua. We have the same name. So I, I love reading about him. It gives me hope. Mighty general. But Joshua prayed that God would keep the sun standing in the sky all day so we could win a battle. And guess what happened? The sun stood in the sky all day and he won a battle. Like that's changing the universe because of prayer. That's not like, ah, I need this to happen. I need to get to that gas station. That's like, God, would you shift the fabric of the universe for me today? Whoa, okay. Well, we're made of the same stuff. I don't know. Confidence. Okay, you're like those. Those are the good felt board Bible study. Okay, let's get off. Let's get off a little bit. How about Asa, Asa, Asa? However you want to say it, I say Asa, King of Judah. Is attacked by a million man army from Ethiopia, million man army. Second Chronicles fourteen eleven says. Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. And he is victorious because of the power of God, though he was outnumbered two and sometimes three to one. Hezekiah, great name, Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the Assyrians, one of the greatest armies in that world, are just plowing through the ancient world and everybody knows it's coming right it's like city falls city falls city falls where are we going to go here we are they come to the walls of jerusalem the assyrians call and they say hey man here's what's going to happen you're all going to die we're going to take all your women all your money all your children and just do whatever we want with them forever and you're all going to be miserable and hezekiah goes before the lord and he prays and he turns to the people and he looks out over the people of israel after praying before the Lord, and he says, the God who is for us is greater than he who is against us. Said the Lord, 
the angel armies is here fighting for us. And it says the angel of the Lord descends upon the Assyrian camp. The most mighty army in the world is thrown into a panic by not a single physical soldier. And then the people of Israel are like, okay, cool, well, let's just go out and take care of this. And then they just wipe them out and chase them back. But it's not just a weapon of battle. Prayer, uh, think, think of all that God has done through prayer. If you've, if you've read the Word of God, if you know the story of what God has done, then you know that it, through prayer, minds have been healed, bodies have been healed, relationships have been healed, cities have been healed, nations have been healed. There's been deliverance from spiritual oppression. There's been people raised from the dead. People have been set free from prison. I love Peter. Peter's in prison in Acts 5, and the believers gather in a house, and they pray for him, and God moves, and what does he do? He doesn't, like, fight off some guards with a sword. He just walks out. I've been to a couple prisons. I'll tell you, not a lot of walking out happening. Walks, walks out. Walks out. Comes up to the house. Comes up to the door. Bangs on the door. Says, hey, guys, let me, let me in. They're like, oh my gosh, it's his ghost. You guys just spent all this time praying for him to get released. Your first response to him being released is, it's his ghost. Well, that's a weird choice. <laughs> Why? Why would you spend all day praying for somebody, God answers it, and you're going like, ah, I don't know though. Why? One word, confidence. There was not the confidence. There was the commitment. They were committed to praying. They're very diligent, but they didn't quite have the confidence that what they were praying for would be answered because sometimes we forget that prayer is powerful. Prayer can restore a nation. God says to the people of Israel in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. He hear me today, church. We need God to heal this nation. We need his clarity. We need his love. We need his justice. We need his mercy. We need his peace. We've had everybody else's, and it's never been great. We need God. We need revival. But guess what is the kickstart fire for revival? Prayer. You cannot have revival without prayer. In fact, if you go back through and you look through revivals, guess how all revivals start? With prayer. My, again, Dave and I, we were talking about uh, men, and I was like, man, we got to start a men's group because we were researching the businessmen's revival, and, and businessmen would gather during lunch, and they would just pray together. And every lunch break, they'd pray and pray, and eventually became hundreds and thousands of businessmen who gave up their time making money to gather together and to pray. Why? Because revival starts with prayer. But this is what's crazy. We live in a broken world. We need God to move. Prayer is the most amazing blessing that we have. We know that it's good. So my question is, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? How come when we do a, a, a hiking small group, I got to, like, close that thing week one? <laughs> it's like, sorry, young adults. Only 25 of you can be in this hiking group. When I do a prayer group, I could be like, please come and pray. Please please come. Like, I will, I can get the most on fire spiritual leaders in our entire church. I get like four of them together. I'm like, guys, this is the time. This is the time. People are like, man, we need to pray. Pastor, I need prayer in my life. I'm like, perfect. We got a prayer group. They're like, that sounds awesome. I hope people go to it. I'm like, no. 
Holy Spirit. (laughs) Why? Why? Why at a worship and prayer night is half the church there? Why? Why when there's a prayer gathering? Why is it hard to get up and pray? Why? Because I just don't think we're as confident. But I do, I do want to give us a break, church. I'm, I, I am you. We are, we are together in this. I think a lot of it is that we're just uniquely in a suffering world. And sometimes it's hard to have an eternal perspective as finite people in a hurting world. We're very unique in that. You know, every religion talks about how you might transcend and avoid suffering. And yet we are very unique in the fact that our God came down to suffer with us and says, you will suffer, but I'm going to go through it with you. That's a very unique place to be. But sometimes that can make praying really hard. Like, I'm praying, but I'm still suffering, right? Doesn't always make it the easiest. So sometimes we, we struggle with that confidence. But can I tell you, I believe that if we as a church can be a church that pray, and by church I mean a group of people. If you're joining us online, you're part of that. If you're here, you're part of that. If we can be a church that confidently prays, then I believe that we will see the greatest move of God that our generation has ever seen. Can't you, can't you sense that the nation's ready for it? Just everything else is gone. Everything else you can occupy and confuse yourself with, it's all gone. It's like it, no athlete's going to change it for you. No politician's going to change it for you. No system's going to change it for you. No marketing campaign. No bank account. Prayer. Prayer. What you are, the tool you already possess can transform your generation, and your world. I think that's pretty amazing. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. That's crazy. Jesus said, you're going to do greater works than he, okay? Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, I want to go back to 1 John 5. You guys all still with me? Okay, good, good, good. If anyone gets hot, just tell Gianna. She can go turn the AC down again. It's usually about this time we all start getting a little toasty. 1 John 5, 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Verse 14, this is the confidence that we have towards him. Someone say confidence. Confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked to him. There's two things that John is addressing here. I'm just going to address them both, and I believe this will inform us when it comes to confidence in prayer. The first thing is our condition for prayer. The second thing is our confidence in prayer. So condition. Someone say condition condition in prayer. He says, according to his will. You ever read something in scripture and you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? According, I'm supposed to pray according to his will. What does that mean? Okay, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what is God's will? How many of you have asked that in your life? Like, what is God's will? How do I pray according to God's will? 
Well, it's kind of a multifaceted term, but here there's kind of two things we're talking about. There is God's sovereign will and God's will of command. So God's sovereign will is his will in knowing everything that's happening in the world because he's omnipotent, right? So the the will of God uh, that, you know, when Jesus prays, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Like God is sovereign. He knows. He's omnipotent. He knows what's happening in the whole world. And you're like, so I got to pray according to that will? Like I got to guess what God's like big master plan is and like hope that I like fit my prayer and like you know like heal Gianna if it fits into some causality thing that you're doing no what he's talking about is God's will of command so what God has commanded us to do what does that mean that means what God has told us in his word through the life of Jesus Christ on how to follow him it's obedience so when it's saying God's will it's just saying Am I walking in the relationship with the person that I'm praying to? Let me rephrase that so I make sure I use the right word. Am I walking in relationship with the God that I'm praying to? That's what I mean. Am I walking in obedience with the Lord? When I'm praying according to his will, what I'm saying is, God, am I, am, I, am I seeking after you? Am I following after you? Or are you just some guy that I come around with on the weekend? It's like, you know, it's like when you uh, park at a gas station and someone comes up asking for change. Like, hey, man, like, haven't seen you in a while, but like a couple bucks could really get me through. That's different. Now, God still hears, knows, and answers. Different, but a relationship means there's a connection, there's a community, there, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a collective action that's happening there because you're living in obedience together. Am I walking in obedience? So when you're praying according to God's will, you're not trying to bend his will to yours. You're saying, God, who I love, who I have a relationship, who I seek to pursue, God, I come before you submitting my heart and my desires, longing for your will to be done because I know that you are good and you are faithful. And so if you're good, then your will's good and your plan's good and your provision is good. And so I trust you. Stott says, uh, prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or for bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his. It is by prayer that we seek God's will, embrace it, and align ourselves with it. Every true prayer is a variation on the theme, your will be done. See, praying according to his will is in submission to his sovereignty and in obedience to his commands. Jesus, I follow you. I trust you. So now I come before you with the request of my heart. That's our condition. That's how we come before God in prayer. But here's the confidence. Okay, three things. We have confidence in the reception of our prayer. Somebody say reception. Reception. Important word. We have confidence. First John 5.14 that we've been reading says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's important. Did you know that God hears your prayers? Not only does God hear your prayers, but he wants to hear your prayers. I love this. Jesus says in John 16, And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. This is what he's saying. The Father loves to hear your prayers. We do not serve a God that you have to, like, bother with your prayers. It's not like a toddler that's come around six times and been like, water, water, water. Anyone else's house? Yeah, that's mine. Right? <laughs> You're not bothering God with your request. He longs to be in relationship with you, and part of being in a relationship is talking to the person. You're in a terrible relationship if you never talk to somebody. 
<laughs> right? Like, yeah, we've been married for 11 years. Uh, I talk to her, I don't know, like maybe a couple times a month. It's going real well. Like, ah, spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> She's just really durable. <laughs> and must love you like crazy. But we know that God hears us. He longs to hear the cry of our heart. We're not shouting to the sky. We're talking to the God who loved us so deeply that he sent his only son to die for us. That's the God we're talking to, the God who loves us. So when we pray, we have a confidence that he hears our prayers. Not only do we have a confidence in the reception of our prayers, but the second thing this morning, we have a confidence, according to 1 John, in the content of our prayers. Somebody say content. Content of our prayers. 1 John 14 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Your version might say, whatever we ask. But this is important. What concerns you also concerns God. What keeps you awake at night, God cares about. He's not like, man, I hope they get it together so that when they wake up, we can talk. He cares about what you care about because he cares about you. That's why First Peter says, cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. You're like, wait a second. I thought I could only pray according to his will. Now I can pray anything? That doesn't sound like the same thing. Anything and just according to his will sounds like it's confusing. And you're right. It is confusing. But Scripture answers that very clearly for us. It's both. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Amen. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Normally we stop there, but this is important. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday sun. Look at the pattern. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what your heart delights in. Let me put it another way. When God supplies the content of your heart, you can be confident in the content of your prayers. When the content of your heart is, I abide in God, I seek his kingdom, I long to be in relationship with him, he is what fills my heart. Guess what the overflow of your heart will be? It will be him. I delight in his goodness. Therefore, I can be confident in what I come before the Lord in, assuming it's in his word. It's not something random like Porsches for everybody. Like, this is not Oprah, right? So I can be confident because I know the content of my heart. If God supplies the content of our heart, we can be confident in the content of our prayers. Your will be done. Am I praying because I trust in God's goodness or because I just want something? It's okay to want something, but it starts with trusting in God's goodness and his provision. It starts with that relationship. It starts with that connection. I asked someone the other week, do you love the Lord or do you just love his provision? That's a unique thing to think through in this season because <laughs> we need his provision. And he gives us his provision. But I love him first. The content of my heart, the content of my prayers. Okay, third thing. Everyone still with me? Okay, band, you can come forward. You can come on up. Third thing. So not only do we have confidence in the reception, we have confidence in the content. Third, we have confidence in the outcome of our prayers. 1 John 5.15 says, if we know that he hears us, remember this is what John is teaching us. He's trying to get the church to realize. If we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we have asked of him. Basically saying, if we can have confidence that he hears us, and we can have confidence that he cares about us, 
then I think we can be confident that he's going to do something about it. Right? If he created the universe, and then he sent his son to rescue us, I think that we can have confidence that the same saving and rescuing power that is alive through Jesus Christ is alive today in my life. Are, are you with me? Okay, that's important because it's important to understand when we pray that God is concerned about the outcome, we can have confidence because he hears and he cares for us. God will answer us. Mark eleven twenty four, 24, a very uh, confusing portion of Scripture. A lot of people twist this, so I'm going to untwist it real fast. It says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Okay, are you saying, like, put the thought out in there, and then it'll be real? No. The present tense we have is echomen. It's not the future we will have. It indicates that God grants our requests, but does not always immediately grant what we have requested. Here's what I mean. God is always working. You can't always see it. So you must trust the love of God before you know sometimes the response of God. You might not see it. I'm praying things for my kids that I have to trust I will never see, right? Well, then God must not be answering because I can't see him. It's like, well, no, because my confidence is not in the response. My confidence is in the Savior. It's in the love. It's in the Holy Spirit. I have confidence that God hears, that God cares, and God answers my prayers because I know his son, Jesus Christ. He's got skin in the game. He's shown us the way. He showed us before we even asked that he's a God who shows up, that he changes the world. When I was still a sinner, lost in my sin, God sent his son to die for me. I didn't deserve it. Sometimes I wonder why he did it, and then I look and realize how deeply he loves me, and I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's nothing I could do to earn this. There's nothing I could do to prove this. I just receive it, and I go, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord, for loving me so much. So then when I bring in my prayers before him, I come in confidence because the same God that rescued me and loved me still loves me and still wants to move and still wants to move upon this generation and upon this nation and in this city and in this church. He longs for it like you and I long for it. Matthew 7, 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here's the reality. People are broken. God is not. Which means he cannot break promises. Which means if God promises his goodness and his love and his mercy, he will always give his mercy. He will always give his goodness. I might not not know the outcome, but I will always know the love. I will always know the Savior. I will always know the Holy Spirit that he sent to be with me. And so though I might not be in the world physically confident, I can be spiritually confident because I know God. When I see all these videos and all these things, and I think, oh my goodness, where do I even begin talking? I go to the Lord and I say, God, I have confidence that you know what to do. I have confidence that you are the answer. I have 
have confidence that you can bring an awakening. I have confidence that you can bring revival. And so I say, Lord, come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I have confidence that he will answer. I don't live in fear. I don't live in worry. I don't live in uncertainty. Though my bank account might look uncertain. Though my health might look uncertain. Though my family might look uncertain. My heart is not uncertain because within my heart dwells the Holy Spirit. And I have confidence that if God rescued me and God moved, that he can do it again. First John 5. I want to read it one last time over here this morning. Then we're going to pray together. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked to him. Church, it's time to confidently approach the throne of the Lord and ask him to move upon this nation for such a time as this. It's time. Some of you have. God bless you for that. But it's time. It's time. It's time to pray. I'm going to give you two words. Two words. as a little thought and a practice this week. Two words. Pray now. Pray now. Pray now. Man, I'm in it. I'm stressed out at work. I can't wait to get home to pray. Nope. Pray now. Man, I see that person hurting. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know the scripture to say. Pray now. In fact, go to them and say, can I pray for you now? The crazy thing about everybody being really isolated and lonely is like you can pray for anybody right now as long as you just don't breathe too heavily on them. It's so easy. Pray now. Hey, I'm having a rough go. Oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'll be praying for you right now. Pray now. Pray now. Church, it's time to be a generation of pray now. Pray in the street. Pray in the grocery store when your kids are having a meltdown. Pray now. Frustrated about dot, dot, dot. Pray now. You're at your school and you're in a college and maybe it doesn't facilitate uh, the most prayerful environment. Can I just tell you? Pray now. Pray now. Pray now. You're like, I'm going to look like that guy on my job. That's okay. Pray now. That's okay. Pray now. Like, I can't do it in a public. Fine, you can find a spot. You can make this work. I know you. You're very smart. People in this church, you guys are amazing. You're caring, compassionate. You're all just brilliant people. Every time I meet, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for bringing these people to our church. They're amazing. I know you. I know you have what it takes to pray now. Because I know the God that gave it to you. Pray now. I felt like when I was talking to my brother David, I said, man, I just feel like as a church, we need to pray now. We need a time to just, no altar time, no, not, not a response time, but a prayer time. We need to pray together for this nation. We need to pray together for this city. We need to pray together for our brothers and sisters around this nation. We need to pray together for the children. We need to pray together for unity. We need to pray for health and healing. We need to pray for provision. We need to pray together. So I thought this morning we could end by praying together, and the band's going to kind of lead us periodically. But I'm going to invite you, would you stand with me this morning? And I invite you, just kind of whatever posture you want to pray in. If you want to fold your hands, close your eyes, lift your hands, open your eyes, kneel. If you want to find a spot in the room, uh, that, that's great too. Whatever works for you. 
But we're going to take time and we're going to pray together this morning. If you're online, we have our live prayer moment that you can click and join us in prayer. As we continue in a time of prayer, we're actually going to have some people up front who are going to pray with you at the end of service. So if you specifically want prayer, that's available as well. I would just say pray now. But I want us to just to begin, take these last five minutes here to pray together. To pray together. And see God move. So here's how I want, I want us to begin to pray for this nation. To pray for unity and healing to pray for peace and mercy, to pray for clarity in the place of deception, to pray for unity in the place of division, to pray for healing in the place of bitterness and hurt and pain. I invite you just to join me, whatever way, whether out loud or in your heart, but let's confidently and boldly approach the throne of the Lord, knowing that he hears, that he knows, and that he answers. Mighty God, we come before you this morning. Mighty God, we ask you to move upon this nation. We ask you to move upon our leaders and our elected officials. God, we ask you to move upon our cities. God, we ask you to move upon every person in the city of Scottsdale and Phoenix and around this nation. God, we long for unity. We long for healing. We long for restoration. And so right now, God, we ask you to move. Move upon families that are broken. Move upon people that are in disunity. Move upon those who have been hurt who are in pain, who are in suffering. God, everybody, God, the people in the streets, the first responders, our leaders, our government, our president, God, move upon their lives. Bring peace, bring healing, bring clarity, bring revival. Move upon this nation. Wherever you are, just take this moment. Begin to lift up this nation. Begin to lift up the city. Begin to lift up these places. Begin to lift up Scottsdale. Begin to lift up our leaders. Begin to lift up the hurt and pain. Begin to lift up the streets. Begin to lift up people who are in need of the hope of Jesus Christ in this nation. Pray revival over this nation. Jesus.